0: And welcome back to the Cover Three podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Week seven, not quite in the books. In fact, as we come to you, there are just over four minutes remaining. Tennessee has the ball and is down five to Ole Miss. So if that game goes bananas, You are going to hear what we think as it happens. Arizona State also holding a narrow lead over Utah uh, out there in Salt Lake City. So much to get to across the board, uh, including some of the more recent results as we come to you live on YouTube.com slash Cover 3, where you can join us if you want to come and get in. The comment section, of course, uh, always an eventful place at this time of night. Uh, you can find it youtube.com slash cover three. And if you smash the little bell for notifications, then you will know the moment that we go live, which not only helps you out on Saturday, but is a nice reminder for the live shows on Monday at 3 PM Eastern time and on Thursday for our weekly locks at 11 AM Eastern time to get you set. There's a, a lot of different ways to take this again. We will keep monitoring the live action. Um, Caleb Williams era off to a fine start. We've got Purdue following at Iowa, uh, Bo Nix and Auburn starting to make an argument, which we may get to later in terms of where the Tigers sit uh, in the pecking order of the SEC West and also among the 2 lost teams in the country. But Tom, it you can't, you just you can't allow yourself to love Oklahoma State this year, can you? No,
1: it's Iowa. Like, it would be disingenuous of me to sit here and say Oklahoma State is a good team when it does the same stuff that Iowa does. And I've spent all season talking about why Iowa is not as good as its record or ranking suggests. And like we saw Iowa lose by 17 at home to Purdue today. Oklahoma State beat Texas. Credit to it. but. Two offensive touchdowns, a bunch of field goals that it had to settle for in the red zone, and a defensive touchdown. It's not like that was an offensive explosion. If Iowa wins that game that way, this is what we're saying about Iowa. It's what I'm saying about Oklahoma State right now. And as we discussed before the show started, I don't care about that win. If I'm power ranking the Big 12 right now, I'm putting Baylor ahead of the Cowboys. Ooh. All right. So I look. I think that Iowa and Oklahoma
2: State actually are similar teams, and the difference is that Iowa, for some reason, got put up and, and ranked as a, a playoff contender, whereas Oklahoma State you know, won't be a top-five type, type team come Monday. But they do play really good defense. I, I have to give them credit for that. They have mm-hmm. a very strong secondary. They have difference makers on that defensive line. Um, and I think I actually have more hope for their offense than I do for the offense of Iowa, uh, because you know, if you follow Cody Nagel, the, the guy shouted out from Twenty Four Seven Sports a couple a you know, couple weeks ago. Oklahoma State's offense has just been absolutely wrecked by injuries. Now they've also been wrecked by Spencer Sanders' passing, which is something that is probably not going to heal up. But I do think it's important to note they're getting some playmakers back and healthy. I think that I'm willing to give them a little bit of leeway. Like, can they actually get some continuity going here through the air? Warren's a hell of a back for them. I mean, th- I don't think they're a real threat to win the Big Twelve, but they have kind of an inside track to get there, so they have to obviously be considered
1: one, right?
0: No, um, I don't trust them. I don't trust Oklahoma State. They're, at the going to, they're, okay. going to, they're going to totally have a game like
1: Iowa had today yes. where the defense isn't putting them in great positions or getting pick sixes, and they're going to have to drive the field consistently against somebody, and they just haven't been able to do it. I, I will say, I, though, like...
0: I think this was about... Well, tech.
1: and finish. They can drive down the field. They can't finish drives. They had, like, what, five yards of play today? Yeah. No, With, not even. I think it was like 4.7, wasn't it? Well, okay, but... Uh,
2: three three kneel downs at, at the end. Okay. So yeah. like 4.9. 4. So, I mean, okay, let, let's just call it ra- round five. When Iowa does this, they're like, Hey, we want a game with two. Yards play and seven turnovers. <laughs> like, yes, Oklahoma state is not a good offense yet, but it's a little, I, I do think it's a little bit different. Like they have a little more explosive play potential. I think the quarterback mobility of Sanders helps them out a little bit. Like when Petrus can't pass, they're just totally dead in the water and yeah. Oklahoma state somehow finds a way. Um, uh, I don't know, like, I don't hate this team, but it's not a great team. It's not a top 10 team for me. It's not bad, though.
1: Yeah, I don't hate them. I, I I agree with you. I think that this is an offense that has far more potential than Iowa's offense, but it just doesn't do it nearly consistently enough. Like, I do think that they have probably some better skill guys, I think, than Iowa has, and I do think that I would rather have Spencer Sanders than Spencer Petrus, but – it's still not a situation where if, I've, you know, if I'm down a touchdown, three minutes or so left in the game, and I've got the ball at my own 25, I'm not super confident in that offense's ability to go down the field and get that touchdown. Agreed. Agreed. So
0: how much of this do you put on Texas?
1: I mean, I'm not going to say Oklahoma State didn't deserve to win the game. They deserve to win the game. I'm not going to take that away from them. But I mean, this is now what two weeks in a row where Texas has just completely disappeared in the second half of a football game. So I, I don't know what the hell is going on with that team at halftime, or if like the the all gas no breaks philosophy is only half a tank of gas to start the game. But it's just I, I I don't know what's going on. in the second half, teams are adjusting to them, and they are have no counters apparently.
0: It's crazy. So there's a disconnect right now between uh, Bijan Robinson, like full game statistics say oh man he dominated that game but then you go look at a drive-by-drive basis and this texas offense cannot put together any kind of sustained drives even though you've got the best player on the field in Bijan robinson and so the way that this uh that robinson will explode early and then all of a sudden get bottled up oklahoma state very very good defense credit to jim knowles for sure but uh i i felt like i walked out of the early slate today with one of my big takeaways being that Oklahoma State will be moving up in the AP poll. They are undefeated. They have a zero in the loss column heading into week eight. Congratulations. But, man, this is a a really disappointing form for Texas to show, like you mentioned, for the second week in a row, uh, just kind of letting this thing slip away because that was a game where, based on everything that had sort of played out near the beginning I thought that Texas had put together the good bounce back and uh, and that did not happen at all in the second half
2: so I'll, I'll guess no breaks I, I'd like to pump the brakes on Casey Thompson like being definitively better than Hudson Card. like
0: are, are we sure he's that much better or are, I, are we sure because I, I I difference I, I think it's I think the offense is bad or at least excuse me the offense is great, but the offense can turtle up the offense has a yeah. floor. That is lower than I thought. I thought it was a higher floor with that offense based on the talent and Steve Sarkeesian. That's not the case.
1: I also think that's the best defense he's faced so far this year. Yes, totally. Uh, Because there's a team that we thought was really, really good defensively that Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. That Arkansas defense has been kind of exposed in recent weeks.
2: Okay. Um, Yeah. I, I I also think the loss of Whittington probably hurt them. It, the the one thing we saw tonight from Oklahoma, and I don't want to get to the Oklahoma TCU thing right this second, but, Oklahoma has a bunch of its corners and safeties out right now, and their backups are terrible. I mean, I, they're they're true freshmen in many cases. And Worthy and Whittington dunked on those guys last week. And with Whittington out, they had to play like an actual legitimate secondary today. And I think that showed. Um, you, you could you could focus on taking away Worthy. Texas really didn't have other threats at receiver that scared you, and Oklahoma State shut them down in the second half.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, since we're in the Big Twelve, let's take it there. I mean, the game is, uh, I believe, final at this point, right? We started, yeah, it 52-31. It was final yeah. before we started. Um, Caleb Williams comes out with a, a record-setting performance for a Sooners quarterback in the first start, for it to be as a freshman. A, everything about uh, Tom Fernelli's prophecy seems to be uh, aligning all together. Spencer Rattler got a lot of camera time in that white ball cap. <laughs> I think, so mean. You know what, do you know what I told myself? I said, He's, he's got tunnel vision, you know. He wants to block out the haters. With the bend in that ball cap right there. Um, what what did you take away from uh, the Sooners' performance here with the the fifty two to thirty one win?
1: They're just so much more explosive with Caleb Williams at the at, at quarterback than they were with Spencer Rattler this year. Period. Point blank. It's just it it started as soon as he came in against Texas last week, and it continued this week. Now, granted. Like we've just discussed, you know, the Texas defense wasn't great today against Oklahoma State and the TCU defense wasn't isn't anything I think that's very good this year either. So he hasn't had to face a top tier defense yet. And maybe when we see that later in the season, he won't be putting up numbers like this because he is still like very much a gunslinger out there at times just making throws. You're like, "Eh, okay, but they work out for him. You know, 295 yards, four touchdowns. He rushed for 66 yards and a touchdown. And let's see, how many big plays did Oklahoma have in this game? 15 for 447 yards. That's a whole bunch.
0: (laughs) Yes. TCU defense, of course, should be taken into consideration. I definitely agree. That was a... Leaky, leaky bunch, and this thing almost got sideways just because TCU was like, "Ah, yeah, you'll score every time," but we think we might be able to keep up.
2: TCU also had nine penalties for 101 yards, included a couple, you know, couple pass interferences on, on defense. So Oklahoma's offense, I mean, 9.1 yards of play, like Tom said. I also saw two man, you know, like like 11 man run game, and I saw a play action off that, mm-hmm. and I saw a guy get the ball to Jaden Hazelwood, whereas Spencer Rattler seemingly couldn't. And I, I I saw an Oklahoma offense that was making TCU's defense pay for trying to respect Marvin Mims too much. Granted, I me, mean, he's really good, so he deserves respect. But Caleb Williams was like, oh, got single coverage on this guy who was a former five-star. Let me, let me see. Oh, he's pretty good. All right, I'm going to go ahead and throw him the ball there. And you know, the the explosive plays certainly were, were really, really good. Uh, but the ball only hit the ground five times. I mean, five incompletions out of a guy mm-hmm. with those kind of wheels. I mean, imagine if Spencer Sanders only threw five <laughs> incompletions. Yeah. Spencer Sanders throws five incompletions per drive sometimes, <laughs> right? And sometimes those drives right, work. Rattler, right? Rattler. Or no, I was talking about like we just got done talking about Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State, right? State, like, yeah. I mean, the, like the, the ball not hitting the ground is is really really impressive. It, it keeps things on, on on schedule, and you just I don't know. You really never thought that Oklahoma was going to lose this game after seeing those, those first
1: couple drives. It was just right. man. Here's some numbers for you. First of all, 55% of Oklahoma's offensive snaps were in TCU territory. But where Oklahoma won this game was first down. (laughs) Like, they ran 32 plays on first down, averaged 10.3 yards per play. They ran the ball 21 times for 215 yards on first down. They completed all 11 passes they threw on first down for 114 yards. Like, they didn't need second and third down in this game. Um. Also, I, we, should we talk about the, the Oklahoma defense, though? Because
2: I, I I do think eventually that they will get their guys back in the secondary. At, at least that's kind of the consensus on Twitter tonight. When I was asking around, like they'll they'll get Turner Yell back. They'll get the, what's his name with, with the concussion out. Like they've got a couple mm-hmm. guys out there. I think three starters who they're without right now. Washington, uh, but as of now, this secondary is is problematic.
0: I'm not it concerned is, until November thirteenth, which is who. At Baylor. They finished at Baylor, Iowa state at home at Oklahoma state up next. They've got Kansas and Texas tech. And I just, those are wins. That is yeah. a
2: perfect draw for, for Oklahoma right there, yeah. man.
0: I mean, this is, this is setting up for 13 and 0 Oklahoma in the college football playoff. Just like everybody said from, you know, February to August. We're like, can, Oklahoma's going to make the playoff, but are they going to win a game? And then it felt a little patronizing and it, the fact is, that's where we're going to land just with the quarterback that Tom always told us was going to lead us to that land.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That is a very difficult fi- final three game. So I'm glad you brought that up. You know, Max Duggan tonight 20 of 30 for 336, four touchdowns, no picks. Uh, I mean, 183 on, on the ground for, for TCU. They, they did put up 519 yards on 7.7 per play. I, I'm a believer that Oklahoma's defense is better than it's been in, in a while. I really think Alex Grinch is doing a nice job there. They've actually recruited blue chips and hit on them, especially along the defensive front. Uh, but right now, this secondary is—they—they they really got to get healthy by, by Baylor.
1: Chip, you're right. Um, that, That's—that's going to be tough. Yeah. No, no disrespect to Max Duggan, but. He's throwing for 336 like that on you and averaging 17 yards per completion. It's not a great sign for your secondary. Although I mean, it could have just been Quentin Johnston. Yeah, I was going to say Quentin Johnston's unique.
0: Like <laughs> yeah. Baylor, you, you know what? Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State don't have Quentin Johnston. Like they don't have anything close to that in terms of uh, the the wide receiver threat that Johnston provides. Also, uh, TCU without Zach Evans. That was a failed prediction by me. What on CBS Sports HQ? where I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to go get it. Oklahoma game means so much. Love being dumb. Uh, (laughs) All right, let's talk about the number two team in the country, which did lose. Uh, Purdue has put this together in a way that uh, I got to, you know, I I did the DK you pick two special on the locks. I did think I was going to be able to dominate here, but it was on Friday morning that I realized that David Bell has uh, Iowa's number. I mean, it's just we're talking about a secondary that I I pointed out on a, a show a while back. You know, they give out the defensive back of the year award and Iowa's won it more than anyone else. They won it four times. No one else has won it more than twice. But David Bell against Iowa coming into the game had 26 receptions. That's an average of 13 per 318 yards and four touchdowns in the previous two games. He follows that up with one of the most impressive performances by a Purdue receiver in a single game ever. It is 11 receptions, 240 yards, and one touchdown. The best player on the field on both sides of the ball played for the Purdue Boilermakers. George Karloftis was a beast as well. And I looked at this as like all, not just a uh, all of the you know bills coming due for Iowa – but also very much um, made me feel more confident in Riley Moss and Matt Hankins as my first-team cornerbacks on my All-American ballot because Riley Moss didn't play in this game. Matt Hankins leaves the game with an upper body injury. And hey, guess what? Now Purdue is going to be able to get whatever it wants, especially in terms of possession passing. So huge win for Purdue. Uh, Jeff Brom, 4-1 and against the Hawkeyes. David Bell adds another awesome performance to his run. Uh, but now, where does Iowa go from here? Are y'all like, do you write them off? Like, do you forget about them? Or do you think that there's a, a road back to competition? Or are they just going to be a fun early season story for us?
1: Well, I'll get to Iowa in a second. I don't know if you're paying attention to what's going on in Knoxville right now. But it's there. This is amazing.
2: I will say this game has gone 58 minutes. So it will be final for betting purposes. Thank <laughs> yes. <you> God. <laughs> but fantasy uh, fans are... Fans are-
1: throwing stuff and things are going poorly anyway uh as for iowa yeah. word it's like a like we're going to so we like a golf ball at later. lane kiffin yeah and other stuff but i know there was a golf ball thrown at lane kiffin um this was this was a game that i was never really able to wrap my head around as i was watching it like i i'm not shocked that iowa had a performance like this because this is what we talked about and this is what i talked about a couple of weeks ago it says the day that your defense isn't forcing all the turnovers and giving you short fields, can your offense do the job when you need it to score points? I mean, Iowa's offense couldn't do that job today, and its defense didn't play poorly. But at the same time, like I've seen this Purdue team play multiple games this year. And at no point have I really been all that impressed by it, like on offense or on defense. and. Purdue put up 464 yards against an Iowa defense that's been very good all season long. It was only six yards per play, so it's not like they were, you know, whatever. And But Aiden O'Connell, 30 for 40 for 375 yards and two touchdowns. And I know, like, you went going over there, Chip. David Bell was the big reason for that. He's 11 catches, 240 yards. And I tweeted about it. But look out when he gets to the NFL if he ever actually gets to play with an above-average quarterback. Because he hasn't really had one in his career at college. And he's put up ridiculous numbers anyway. But... This is, it was a strange game. I feel like Iowa kind of got Iowa'd. Like they, they turned the ball over four times and Purdue didn't really do as much with it as it probably should have. But Purdue was in control of this game from start to finish. And I don't think this really changes my feelings about Iowa in the West because, I mean, if you look around at the rest of the division today, Nebraska lost to Minnesota. And I guess Minnesota now technically is the only team in the division that controls its own destiny, if that ever actually means anything to you. But Wisconsin struggled to get by Army. Illinois still not very good. I just, it's, I still think Iowa's probably the best team in the West. So I'm not really going to change my opinion of it because I never really looked at the Hawkeyes as a legit playoff contender even if they had a path there in a way that it could work and they were the best team in their division i never really thought that was likely to happen and i think this loss what's the question is now is like if iowa wins out and gets to the big 10 championship and then actually wins the big 10 would this loss to purdue be as bad as the loss to ohio state had to purdue that kept ohio state out would they do the same thing to iowa considering you know it's not quite the brand ohio state is We've said that this is week seven, right?
2: We yeah. have said this same stuff about I over time. This is a terrible offense with a really, really good defense, but the defense is not so good that it can overcome just what a bad offense this is. And they actually showed great improvement today in the yards per play category. I mean, guys, all the way up to four point four yards of play. I, I, I think Petrus is just about to turn the corner. I mean, thirty-two picks or excuse me, thirty-two throws for one hundred ninety-five. Now, I did have four picks, so. Uh, if you count those as completions, then I mean, he only had 11 balls hit the turf. Not too bad there. Uh, they're going to be underdogs at Nebraska and underdogs at Wisconsin, I think. And I don't think they're going to make the Big Ten championship game. This offense is terrible. It's,
1: it's not any good. Uh, it was I, driving me nuts when... I was down two two scores or three scores in the last few minutes of the game. And it's you know driving down the field. And obviously at that point, your chances of winning are very low and they're throwing, I know the defense is dictating some of it, but Spencer Petras is throwing like seven yard ins. Like you've got to go down the field three times in the next three minutes to even have a chance to win this game. Why are you throwing seven yard routes?
0: They had no that's rhythm. all they know how to do. Well, and you, you mentioned those yards per play, but I, I can tell you, as somebody who got uh, called into action for an unplanned live blog because number two was on the ropes, (laughs) they never had the daggone ball. Iowa never had the ball. They couldn't get off the field on defense. It was like the most shocking thing to see Purdue consistently get caught in third down and convert. Caught in third down and convert. And they were doing it with all kinds of like we're going to use all three quarterbacks, we're going to use all these different pitches, we're going to run a quarterback option, like we're going to keep figuring out ways uh, to extend this drive. And it was uh, it was very very much like uh, Iowa's lack of explosiveness came at, came up. The bill was due. They took a loss. You know. So I I thought it was a great win for Purdue again. The the four and one against Iowa is a very. A unique wrinkle to Jeff Brom. Purdue being this team that is among the top five in the country and wins against top two teams. Again, I I can't explain it. Maybe it's the magic of the big drum, uh, but still a significant result as number two goes down. Was the drum there? Was that the difference? (laughs) Drum had to have been there, right? I mean, they said (laughs) that the Notre Dame game was the first time They'd played football without the drum since they broke that thing out. So I gotta imagine that they have already made accommodations for the drum at Kinnick Stadium, right? I don't know. I, I would imagine so. Will um, they again? Who knows? You know, wh-
2: one thing that I feel like we've done a good job on this show is because we we sit here and watch games all day on Saturday. Is like, we actually talk about the quality of play and we don't just fall in love with the final score. And so that's why I'm not like overreacting to this Iowa loss, right? Like Chip, you've said it, Tom, you've said it, Danny said it, this is not a great team, right? It, it continues to win, but like it, we're not buying because the offense it is and, and was that bad basically every single week, except for the Maryland game. Um, you know, so th- this really shouldn't be surprising to anybody that uh, uh, that has been watching us. By the way, I do want to note this bottle of mustard, that was thrown. Looks like it's like only probably half full, just based on the uh, on the indent on it. Mm-hmm. That's a hell of a throw to chuck a
1: a like a half full bottle. That would hurt like hell if you got knocked upside the head with it, man.
2: Sure, but like like think about like uh, how hard Wait, you got to so throw. Do we have a to delay right, right now? Oh, oh yeah, yeah Chip. It, we're it, we're it, in like it, we're going on probably seven minutes here in this delay. Yeah, oh. buddy. I don't know
1: honestly. I don't if I'm old miss at this point. Lane I Kiffin has it. a golf ball. Like, did he get hit by it or did just go near him? I don't know if it got. I think if he got hit by it, his reaction to it would probably have been a lot different. One I of those yellow ones. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, if I'm Ole Miss, I'm at this point, I'm just like, I'm going off the field. Why am I going to stand out here and let this happen?
0: So you throw in a top flight or are you throwing in uh, a noodle? Well, okay. So are you one of those guys that plays the optic yellow B? though? I mean, we're, no, we're, no,
2: no, like no. that's what I'm thinking. So if you're one of those guys that plays those optic yellows, unless you live in like one of those weird weather condition spots. It's probably it's probably something cheaper.
0: Oh, so the golf ball that he got hit with was uh, like was, a yeah. bubble Watson it was ball. Yellow. Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was one of the bubble Watson balls that uh, they said that when you finish on the 18th green, you actually have to go back to the cashier inside to be able to get your ball back. <laughs> um, all right. What about uh, keep me up to date on if if anything else comes hurling down from the stands in in Knoxville? Uh, what a night. For, uh, for the Vol Navy. They, they came with arms into Neyland Stadium. Uh, Bo Nix was spreading the ball around. Bo Nix was dealing against this Arkansas defense. We hinted at it earlier that uh, one of the observations from the group might be that this Arkansas defense that we held in such high esteem early in the season, the shine's been coming off little bit by little bit as the Razorbacks have now lost a third game in a row but I I wanted to pitch to y'all because we'll, we'll get it settled on the field, but Texas A&M has a better win. I understand, but is Auburn the best two loss team in the country?
2: That's a good question. I'm trying to think who, who
1: else has two losses that I need to be considering here. I'm trying to think about this. I, I think there's a good chance they are. Um,
0: so I mean I don't want to say their name. I wish I wish you would have like prepped us for this question. Before. <laughs> I I I got no. You. I like it's on the spot though. It's okay. Spot. Uh, Iowa State. No. Okay. Um. I let's see. It might be Auburn. I think it might. It's Auburn versus Texas A and M in the rankings. So I'm not going to mention the the C word from the ACC that is a two loss team, <laughs> <laughs> but uh. I mean, I not Oregon State, Utah, maybe UCLA, UC, UCLA
1: maybe. I, so. I still think
0: it's Auburn. Like I, I think
1: that. W- yeah, is, I'd probably go that way. If yeah. you were
0: to power rank it, I I agree Texas A and M has the better win, but I thought that Auburn is just looking like a really solid football team, and Bo Nix is having a great season. I don't think that I can chalk this up to. Mm-hmm. Hey, he had that one really bad throw where he was like, "Okay, he didn't bite on the hitching goes But you not, know what? Here we not, go. Let's do it anyway.
1: He's not having a great season. He's just not having a terrible season. Like,
0: okay, <laughs> fine. We, that, that is a that is a fair
1: adjustment. We but. are grading Bo Nix on a Bo Nix curve. That said. Today. But it wasn't Tank
0: Bigsby. It is the disconnect is it's not the Auburn team that we thought was just going to come mm-hmm. play bully ball with Tank Bigsby and lean on its defense. Like they are finding ways to make plays through the passing game with the wide receiver room that did not impress me coming into the season. I think that is worth uh that is worth me at least tipping my hat and noting here in this space. Today
1: is the best I've ever seen Bo Nix look for a full game. I think. I mean, I statistically, his game against Akron earlier this year was better, but. Akron Akron, yeah but today was the best he looked from start to finish he threw an interception which was a terrible standard Bo Nix I've decided before the snap that this is where I am throwing the ball and I am not even going to bother to look at the coverage after I get the ball to make sure I want to throw it I'm throwing it damn it I don't care and it was picked off but granted they probably would it was it was essentially an arm punt because they would have punted on the next play anyway but other than that 21 to 26 292 yards, two touchdowns. He, he rushed for 42 yards. He extended drives with his legs, picked up first downs on third down. He also rushed for a touchdown to ice the game at the end. That was the most complete and promising Bo Nix performance I have ever seen. If Auburn gets that Bo Nix going forward, then Auburn is definitely the best two loss team in the country right now. And, and it might even be the second best team in the SEC West. I, I
2: think it very well could be the second best team
1: in the SEC West. I
2: I have a hard time it's just kind of a weird scheduling thing that we don't have any other real two loss teams that I feel like we need to consider here. I mean I, I think you can throw out Clemson there, but I honestly if they like lined up and play tomorrow. I take Auburn I might I might take Auburn. Yeah. Um although I do think Clemson's defense is still really damn good. Auburn's defense looks really good uh, on the back end. I think their their defensive front is kind of limited, but I figured they could they, they could run with Arkansas. I just I think they're a better team than Arkansas is. I think Arkansas's defense is a total fraud. Uh Sam Pittman managed this game today terribly. Just some real like they lost Sam Pittman lost this game for Arkansas in the first half with his ridiculous punt decisions. Just what are you doing there? Like you think your your defense is going to hold Auburn to what? 24? Give me a break. Like you're going to probably need 35 plus to win this ball game, and you're just giving away possessions. Why? What What are you doing? Like, it's great that he hired good coordinators, and it's great that he motivates his guys. But his game management today was horrendous. Um, If that doesn't happen, we might be talking about Auburn as the best three loss team. Seriously, like, like they this thing kind of got away from them late with that, you know, kind of what was it the um, the turnover in the end zone for the touchdown and, and Nick scramble it kind of the, the final margin. I don't know. I don't know if the final margin like totally matched up with, with how the game was played. You know what I'm saying? But Auburn no. deserves credit for closing it out. Bo Nix made the plays when he had to Arkansas made more critical mistakes. I, I think this is a, it's a pretty encouraging team and some of the wins they have look better, right? Because LSU, obviously today Auburn went down to baton Rouge and
1: beat them. Uh, and that win looks better. I, in Pittman's defense, he did go for it on fourth down three times. Got stopped all three times, though. <laughs> and I think once they were out of it, right? Or was
2: no, this no. no. still there in the first, first half. half?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, but
2: they got
0: uh, I mean, it was like they had one missed field goal, they had a turnover on downs in scoring position, and they had a fumble call that was definitely, that was a, definitely fumble. Yeah. Well, a fumble. They're, they're going gonna- the wrong way, and so it was like for it to be 14-10 at halftime. Sam Pittman goes in and says, "You know, we had these three scoring opportunities taken from us, and it's still a four point game. Arkansas was in this thing in yeah. the locker room at halftime, and Auburn. I to me, to my eyes, Auburn just beat them. In the there was." Half.
1: There was also an Auburn touchdown drive that was extended by a pass interference call on a ball that landed at least seven yards out of bounds.
0: Yeah, I I, yes. did, I think the Razorbacks caught a lot of breaks today, but I thought that Auburn being able to take advantage of it and drive home to win was impressive, especially on the road, especially on homecoming.
1: I'm I'm trying to remember the last SEC game I watched this year that didn't involve at least two terrible calls. The officiating officiating in that conference has been terrible this year, and I know like people say that like every fan thinks that their conference's refs are the worst, and the truth is that every single conference has refs making mistakes in every game because everybody's going to make mistakes. But it is just a common theme in the SEC, and then also like the worst part is like Chip, you mentioned that fumble; it went to review, and you're watching like seven replays on TV of the ball clearly coming loose before he's down and then the replay comes back and they say call in the field confirmed. Is it, I, I have no idea what's going
0: on in the SEC right now. So Tennessee has returned the punt to midfield.
2: Oh. 19 seconds per- left. Hooker just ran for a first down. Wow. Uh, and, and now, now he's, he's limping now, now he just went down. Wait, he just went down. Uh they're out of timeouts. What well, what what's the rule here? So it's first uh, there's, down. This got to
1: are they going to have a runoff with this? They got to, and they're bringing in Joe. Milton, Joe Milton for the way to The end zone. He might throw it
2: like like out of the stadium. This is.
1: He's got a huge arm. Um, get the fan with the mustard bottle in there to throw this
0: <laughs> hail mary. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, whoever got that mustard bottle all the way down from two eighteen <laughs> onto the field. Let's have you chuck this pigskin into the end zone. Is it a 10 second runoff? I th- there's
2: got to be some sort they of They haven't content. announced it yet because because Hooker's still down. This is – um, man. Th- this was a pretty well. so speaking of SEC officiating, let- let's spin this. The reason why Tennessee fans were, uh, were checking the ball or checking all the stuff onto the field, fourth and 26, the refs give a – I would say it's a – it was not a great spot, right? I'm not sure it was 100% wrong. I think that he probably got the first down, but I'm not – totally convinced here. I'm sure the comment section will let me know if there's a more definitive angle that I missed. Uh but they spotted him like a you know yard short. Um Tennessee fans checks to all over place. Uh, this is this is tough, man. Where does it where do they have the ball at? Uh they got the ball at like the 38, I think. Okay, uh, so this or is not no, a The will miss hair.
1: 33. I'm sorry. This is not a Hail Mary attempt. Let's get that out of the way there's right now. There's 18 seconds left. Yeah. This is just going to be a regular-ass pass.
0: Oh, no, 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 Tom. If this thing does end up converting,
1: no,
2: it's it will a regular be a regular-ass pass. pass. If they throw a Hail Mary on first and 10 from the 33 with 18 seconds left, there's seriously some problems. Although <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to put this past Joe Milton to do it.
1: but <laughs> It might like, be a five-yard yeah, hitch that he throws 35 yards. <laughs> Hey, Tom uh, is
0: making the argument that 38-yard passes are not Hail no, Mary's. It's, it's thrown into the end zone.
1: Uh, here's here's my basic philosophy. If I can throw a ball that far, it's not a Hail Mary.
0: Hail so, Mary. So what what's the yardage where it cuts off? Do you need to be on the other side of the field? I think, yeah, you should be
1: on the other. I think you should be in your own territory for a Hail Mary. Is it a Hail Mary if you're,
2: tar- if you're just not? Can you target one specific guy on a Hail Mary? No. Or we're just like chucking it up? I think it's chucking it up. I think so, too. Yeah. I
0: I think it is like you know that you've got two wide receivers in that space that might also have three defenders, but I'm just hoping to get it to the end zone kind of question.
2: Agree. We we can all agree that 18 seconds left from the 33-yard line of the opponent is not a Hail
1: Mary. No. No. But tell that to the headline writers of America, because if they do it, it'll say Tennessee wins on last second Hail Mary. (laughs) 33-yard Hail Mary. What happens if you kick a last second field goal? Do you want to go there? What do you mean? What do you mean? Stoops.
0: Oh. Oh, the marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, Georgia, Kentucky, while we, uh, while we, uh, (sighs) while we wait for things to be. uh, He was definitely playing,
2: playing to cover that thing, though. That
1: was, that was awesome. That was just. Oh, the, Did you hey, catch that? shout out at least georgia fans weren't throwing crap on the field over it they just they just stuck to booze
0: on kicking the field goal i mean that well not...
1: Uh,
2: sorry not not kicking the field goal but like yeah they, they scored the late touchdown
0: they're
1: like calling timeouts and spiking the ball inside the five <laughs> down 20 with like six seconds left just to get a score
0: are you are y'all concerned at all at any point in that game that Georgia was actually going to lose because I was on the halftime show at 14 to seven. And I said, I, I understand that the score is only one touchdown, but Georgia's not losing this game. They're going to end up winning this thing by double digits.
2: There actually was maybe 10 seconds. I I would say that I was concerned. And that was when Bennett's arm got hit and I was like, okay, if Daniel's really isn't as healthy as the broadcast wants us to think and Bennett, then they have to go um, to their third string kid. And that's not, then maybe, maybe that like Tennessee could win some kind of weird variance
1: thing, but I would say no. No, I never thought. I mean, when you look at Kentucky's f- touchdown drive in the first half and how absolutely perfectly executed it was, you realized that's what Kentucky has to do to march down the field in this defense score a touchdown. They have to be absolutely perfect. I don't yeah. think they're gonna be perfect often enough to win this game.
0: Liam Cohen, who Bud has mentioned here on this podcast, pulled it all out. He was like, this is my masterpiece. I've had it for this one moment, and there's just no way that's sustainable, especially after halftime. What happened?
1: Oh, Joe Milton just overthrew an open Barely receiver. In the guy time. in the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> Throw is high. You're never going to believe it. All right, we're going to get a 20-yard Hail Mary attempt here.
0: Is this the final play of the game? My score tracker is stuck at 27 seconds.
1: Absent some sort of penalty. This this mm-hmm. will be the, the final play of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Milton forever on brand. From uh, the 21-yard line. Don't you
2: take a timeout here if you're old Miss just like like thinking about what happened to LSU today. They just did. Okay, good.
0: Speaking of, what'd you what'd you think about what happened in Baton Rouge? I'm happy. I don't know how y'all feel about it. <laughs>
1: Well, you hate Florida.
0: No, I'm happy because I'm working tomorrow, and oh. <laughs> uh, I started the day saying, "Is Coach O going to get fired tomorrow?" I just want to plan accordingly, and and by the way, that's not just selfish for me, but also for our planning, because certainly Coach O would be the kind of uh, coaching news that would result in us having an emergency podcast. So, you know, this another week for uh, Ed Ogeron out there is a that's that's a good thing for Chip Sunday.
1: I mean,
2: no, you go ahead. Look, I actually do think Dan Mullen is a pretty good coach. And I think he usually gets the most out of his team. But if you're going to go with the whole, like we don't care about the star rankings, we, we have our own star rankings, we, we develop our guys, we're, we're the best you know, coaching coaches. Where, where Where's Joe Milton going with this? I haven't. He's going to try to run the ball? And the game's over. Uh, Joe Milton scrambles for 12 yards, but he needed to throw the ball for 21. So the game is over.
3: (laughs) God. Oh, man. Okay.
1: (laughs) What are you doing? They... They started him
2: for a couple, like for a couple games this year over Hooker.
1: Mm. Wow, wow, he's a he's a kid. I'm just gonna,
2: yeah, okay, all <laughs> right. So if you're gonna go b- back to Dan Mullen, if you're gonna go with this whole like we have our own star rankings thing and we develop our guys and and all that stuff, and and he may very well like end up with the super team here with, with Richardson in, in a year or two. Uh, you, you can't be losing the bad teams like that. And you can't have games where you where you commit four or five turnovers or however, however many they had, or, or like the Kentucky game where you commit fifteen penalties and 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 get a get a kick block return for touchdown. You know, the, think about Florida's last I don't know ten or so games against FBS teams, like the way they finished out last year. Very very respectable loss to Bama. Most of the team opts out. They lose to Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. This year, they they do thump Tennessee. They handled FAU and uh, and USF, and now they've lost Kentucky. They lost to L- to lost to a bad LSU team, an LSU team that like roster wise was much worse than they've been, I think, at any point this season. And they just go out there and they looked unprepared, and they looked really sloppy for the second straight road game, and looked like they didn't they were not prepared to be there at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I didn't see... I only saw, like, the second half of this game. I didn't really pay much attention to the first half of it. But once I realized what was going on, it was, like, kind of deserving of attention, I tuned in. And, yeah, it was... I don't know, man. Like, I I can't really disagree with anything you just said. I, I don't think this Florida team is very good. I don't think that it has played smart football the last few weeks. I think that it's just... I don't know. There's something wrong. I think... I think at this point I'm just making Anthony Richardson my starter and going from yes. there because I don't – you're not winning the East. You're probably going to get shellacked by Georgia no matter who you start. Your playoff hopes are done. Like, to just give Anthony Richardson the job and start working towards next season. That's what I'm doing if I'm Florida.
0: Totally I agree. Do you think that... All right, so I'm going to give you the rest of the schedule. You mentioned the George game. Uh, the Gators will be off next week, back in action, against the Dogs on October 30th. After that, South Carolina, Sanford, Missouri, Florida State. Those are all wins. You know what Dan Mullen's going to do to all the haters? You think, Listen, guys, I don't know what you want. We won eight games, all right? And they're going to go and win a bowl game. We won nine games, all right? We got good stuff going here. Like, there is this uh, this wild character that has become the Florida Gators and the Dan Mullen era, where you are always going to be in the mix for being considered one of the top three or four teams in the SEC. But until losses like these start getting removed from the slate, there's not going to be the expectation that and – and I'm saying this knowing that they won the SEC East just last year. But in terms of the broader pecking order, who's going to be saying – that Florida is really challenging Georgia for the crown uh, in the big pit. Right. Is that a fair thing to say? Like the big picture that this is still the Bulldogs division, right? Yes. Yeah, it
2: it certainly is. I I also wonder, I mean, they don't really have anything left to play for now. So maybe it is play for the future with, with, with AR 15. Uh, But how how many guys on on this team and, and some of the older guys aren't, aren't into it anymore? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. They, they they usually are not out of the race this early in the year under Mullen, and we'll, we'll have to see you know, how hard they keep playing. Um, if they make this many mistakes, almost any game remaining on the schedule is losable. Like, I really mm-hmm. have a hard time seeing them lose to South Carolina. But if they come out and they, and they commit, what, they have six turnovers today or five? Four it's picks. At least four. They uh, four, had, sorry. Yeah. They, they, they did not lose the fumbles. Um, Fumble luck picks, yeah, right. I mean, they didn't run the ball very well. 35 for, for 138. That's that's not... <laughs> they, didn't
1: do, they didn't do anything very well today, period. I mean, they scored 42 points. and It was one of the more pathetic 42-point performances I can remember seeing. They, lo- they They allowed
2: Tyrion Davis Price to... And I know one of the broadcasts today said that, that he set an LSU single-game record for rushing yards.
0: And I believe either broke or threatened the Florida record for most rushing yards against the Gators, which just held by Herschel Walker.
1: <laughs> that's a pretty good name to be mentioned alongside of. Did you see, speaking of that, the uh, did you see in the LSU school record books they don't have Darius Geis' name in it anymore? No. For all his rushing records, it just says under the player's name, LSU. At least that's what I saw on Twitter today from somebody who was in the press box.
0: Oh, from like the official game notes? Mm-hmm. I would have to check. I mean, you always should check uh, all of those records because you never know. You might find that awesome page in the ACC football kickoff preview where someone at the very end of inserting all the results has decided to leave their own sentiment on uh, on the duty that they had just had. That so- is a
2: deep cut for from like <laughs> like like early college football blogosphere. If if you know, you know.
0: Yeah. I think it's page 147. I, th- I don't know. I've, I'll have to go back and uh, check it because uh, it, was, it was quite a moment when, when we all discovered that in Pinehurst. I feel like that was a Pinehurst media days right there. Uh, anyway, coming up on the other side, it's time to talk about a team that I think will be the new number two team in the country on Sunday uh, after a very impressive performance on a national stage. Yeah, we'll talk about them Bearcats next
3: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
0: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League Podcast. might just keep putting up 50 burgers on everyone. And I think that where they're at is really good because they don't seem to be really relying. I mean, obviously, Jerome Ford had put up a whole bunch of yards, scored a bunch, and him for the running game is a big part of the offense. We've known that the Bearcats' defense is what makes you go into all of these games with huge spreads and consider Cincinnati being able to cover them because you say, I don't know how the opposition is going to score. The defensive line is absolutely nasty. The secondary is sick. Like It is just the the tough challenge for every American Athletic Conference team to do to think, I just don't know how we're going to move the ball. But for Cincinnati to be just rolling teams up like this without Desmond Ritter as the superstar... I think is a great place for Cincinnati to be because then you're not asking as much of Ritter and Ritter can take you over the top with whatever he can provide. The UCF is not at all what it could have been if Dylan Gabriel was on this team right now. And I think that's an important context for the lopsided loss. But at the same time, I found myself very impressed with uh, how thorough and efficient Cincinnati has been ever since rolling off the Indiana and Notre Dame wins and just taking care of business.
1: That was an ass whipping today. Like yeah. that was like the score is kind of misleading. Cause even though Cincinnati won by 35 and clearly dominated the game, they were up 35 to nothing before all UCF ever really got it, you know, got anything going. So like the game was over very quickly. No, that's, they're just a really good football team, man. Like they're, a lot better than anybody else I've seen in the American for sure, which doesn't mean that they're invulnerable and they can't screw up and lose a game because we're seeing that every single week teams are losing games. You don't expect them to, but like, I have a hard time seeing outside of SMU who can beat this Cincinnati team. And I'm actually, to be honest, getting kind of nervous about your playoff. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm still not convinced it's happening, but like you just, like you said before the break, Cincinnati's probably going to be at number two in the AP poll. And there's more of a public push for it this year, I think, than we've probably ever seen before. So we're going to get a good idea of how much like the media and the fans can influence the college football playoffs election. Cause if they win out at this point, like they're going to have legitimate arguments, even though that win over Indiana looks, you know, it doesn't, carry nearly as much weight, even anymore, because Indiana lost again today and is now two and four. Notre Dame, we don't know what it's going to look like, but regardless of resume, this is just a team that's playing whoever's in front of it and beating the crap out of it every week. It
2: is, and they, I think they have to keep doing that, right? Like if they start playing these close games, that they, they could give the committee an excuse to to keep them out. Like we know the committee is probably just just looking for an excuse to keep them out. And and to be honest, guys, I'm not even really sure. They are that much better, if at all, than last year's Cincinnati team. I actually think last year's Cincinnati team was better. I think their offensive line was better. I think the offense was just about as good and the defense just about as good. You know, I this schedule is is rough, but they are doing to it what you would expect an elite team to do, and that is just absolutely ragdoll it. You know, I I also think for handicapping purposes, not that this is a gambling show, you, you need to factor in like don't be betting second-half unders with Sensi because Sensi needs to keep the hammer down. They, they went and got those points against Temple late and and, and got that 50 spot. They, they went and got them you know, late against UCF to, to get that 50 spot. Um, this could be a very different season if not for that targeting call against Indiana and the drop punt against Notre Dame. Uh, but they got both those, and they cashed them in. And they've since gone on to just absolutely crush everybody else Tulane has not looked very good. Navy, Tulsa today almost lost to USF. Uh, Speaking of USF, literally, like USF did lose at home to Tulsa. SMU has to come there, and East Carolina just really can't score. Am I making a case for their strength of schedule to be so bad they get left out? Indiana lost again today. Like, they do need Notre Dame to, to hold on and keep winning ballgames.
0: If you look, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm going to get real cranky on this one, and I'm going to say eye test. That eye test tells me that I want to see Cincinnati against a good team in a playoff semifinal. If they, and if they lose, I totally understand, but I think that if Michigan State and Washington are going to get into the college football playoff and get a crack at it, then – I would just, like to see Cincinnati get a crack at it.
1: Yeah, the Cincinnati team's just as good as those Michigan and State and Washington teams were.
0: Right. I agree. And look, Georgia beat Cincinnati 24 to 21 in the Peach Bowl last year. We might see a rematch of those two teams, and that was a JT Daniels led Georgia team with George Pickens in the lineup. I think that we could see a rematch of that in the college football playoffs. I I just I love what I've seen from the Bearcats and I I wanted to Make a point to say that yet the the idea of where they start on November second, when the first college football playoff rankings are released, is very important. But I also just think that the quality of play says that this is one of the better teams in the country. We've just seen a lot of we've seen a lot of flaws, and of course, playing tougher competition is going to expose those in a bigger way. But Cincinnati is kicking ass, and it's awesome.
2: Can we speak about somebody else kicking ass in the G five? So, is- U- UTSA UTEP. Oh, guys, bowl eligible UTEP, UTEP Miners. Eligible. Dana Demel is doing one hell of a job there, man. Like, look, like obviously in that division, I think it's UTSA and UAB, but UTEP LaTeX was expected to score a lot of points in that game today. UTEP holds them to three points. UTEP goes and runs the ball really well. Like, that's a fun
1: team. That's a good team, man. They're Those are our Miners. Two-time bottom twenty-five champions. UTEP Miners.
0: Yeah, plus six five, never a doubt. Yeah, exactly. Ever walk it all the way to the window? Uh, yeah. UTSA also forty five nothing on Rice. Utah is very much. Utah will be in the top twenty five without a doubt uh, when it shows. I up. I mean,
1: are UTEP and UTSA the powerhouse programs in the University of Texas school system? People are wondering
0: because that does not include Baylor, right? Because Baylor's no, private.
1: It does include the one in Austin.
0: Mm. Mm. <laughs> TBD uh, <laughs>
1: Roadrunners road by 12 against the, the Longhorns on a neutral field right now.
0: No. Okay, uh, Scrolling through my notes right now. Uh, tell me what y'all want to get at. Uh, Alabama get right game. Do anything for you. Texas A&M aka the story of Missouri's defense. Uh, NC State with a really, really impressive win on the road at Boston College. And uh, and Michigan State, man, that is a, a team that had to find some answers. And I I think Tom mentioned it in the Slack room early, but they, Kenneth Walker was bottled up by Indiana off the jump. And all of a sudden, you've got to just – figure out a way to make it happen. And Peyton Thorne wasn't awesome, but he was like just good enough. And the Michigan State defense delivered in a huge way. Uh, Jack Tuttle starting in place of Michael Penix, having a couple turnovers to his name. But in general, I thought the Spartans really powered a, a tough win. Michigan State now off next week, still undefeated, back in action on October 30th against Michigan. Michigan will be playing Northwestern next week, which... See how it goes, but it's in the big house. I feel comfortable saying that that's going to be a Michigan win, setting up a colossal uh, battle in that rivalry. Uh, what what from sort of the rest of the board? You know, we could also take it to another one score loss for Scott Frost, the Wild, UNC Miami game. Why the Pitt Panthers? As I'm rocking my home field apparel, should absolutely be considered one of the 25 best teams in the country. Uh, what what's uh, what's what's got y'all feeling hot and bothered? as uh, we sit here in the late stages of the show.
1: Shout out to Air Force for just finishing off my money line. Sprinkle. Um, Let's go. I, it's, you brought up Michigan State. It's like, you know, they, they did enough to get the job done, but they, they were bad today. They pulled at Iowa. <laughs> yes. They <laughs> they averaged 3.9 yards per play. They had 241 yards of offense. They had 12 penalties for 134 yards. By no right did they have to win this football game, but they did and they're not going to give it back. So, yeah, they're still undefeated. Uh, I think two teams that you mentioned there, Chip, kind of. I, I think NC State's win was emphatic yes. and big for them. And I also, like, I think that Pitt win is big because we've joked about it during the week. Like, this is the game that Pitt usually screws up. And they went on the road, and they just controlled that game from start to finish. And now you're kind of, like, wondering what happened in that game against Western Michigan. But this is a Pitt team that, you know, probably... About time they ended up in the polls this week.
0: Also, Western Michigan hung like an NCAA tournament field size on uh, Kent State today.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, all, all short, all short road faves, right? Boston College, Pitt, Michigan State. I bet all three of these. I got really good numbers on all three of these. And entering Saturday, I felt bad about all three of these. I was like, oh, I, this is this is so square. I'm like, I know I have good numbers here, but I'm not, I'm not going to win these. They all three won. Pitt is the one that I was by far the most impressed with. Like, Pitt actually dominated that game from start to finish. Mm-hmm. I think Boston College is not as good of a team as NC State. Like, I really do think NC State's a better team. I will note, though, that there was some, so there was some like kind of luck involved with some of the real explosive scores that, that, that NC State had. In one of them, two Boston College defenders literally run into each other trying to intercept the ball, and it turns into like a 70 yard touchdown. And then obviously, they, they, you know, they have the defensive score set up there. But they still, I think, were a better team. And people, I think, are figuring out Boston College with with Grossell, the the backup quarterback. Michigan State did not deserve to win this game. I will say Indiana showed a nice blueprint of what to do against Michigan State, and that's forced them to be consistent, right? Um,
0: Instead of being all, like, splash plays. Yes. 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 Right. I
2: mean, so check it out. Obviously, if you only have 244 yards, newsflash, you're probably not going to have a whole lot of explosive plays because where where are you going to put them? But they only had two passes of twenty plus. They did not have a run longer than thirteen. So Kenneth Walker Heisman campaign is done. Obviously, I think. Um, and I mean, not that I ever really thought it was a a super legit thing. But if you can force Michigan State to drive, I, I think they're kind of suspect. I, I was Mister Michigan State on this pod, but like I'm I'm kind of jumping off. I, I've seen
1: enough of this now. It's amazing what like gap integrity and run fits can do for you against Michigan State and Kenneth Walker because like that was the one thing like, Indiana did. They were just filling the gaps and they were stringing Kenneth Walker and forcing him to get to the edge and they were able to just kind of funnel him to the sidelines without giving up big plays.
0: Um, To your pit point, Justin Fuente, this ain't good, bro. No. You had a uh, couple big home games all in a row. Right now we're just sitting on a couple L's and uh, this is a it was supposed to be this season with Braxton Burmeister, the quarterback that you went and got from Oregon. You know, This is supposed to be the year that you say, hey, this is, is my offense. You know, I'm, I'm Justin Fuente. I'm the offensive guy. That offense stinks right now. <laughs> yes, I mean, it is not uh, it is not representative of a football team that is anywhere close to conference championship contention. And that's where the Hokies felt like they were after that opening win against North Carolina. Uh, Bud, what what else stood out to you from uh, the board you want to make sure we get in here?
2: Just an absolutely beautiful game if you were somebody who was peppering alternate unders uh, at noon today. And Rutgers Northwestern, oh my... God, did you you guys watch any of this?
0: All of it. Of course I did. It's a Northwestern-Rutgers
1: game.
2: I was on
0: multiple platforms screaming about the (laughs) Rutgers-Northwestern under for days. This has been like a five-day campaign, and of course it was just a waltz.
2: This was just, let's punt from the opponent 45, let's let's run the ball every first down and, and create a whole lot of second and eights. Rutgers has a whole 222 yards of offense. Against what is I, I don't think a good Northwestern defense. Rutgers also commits eleven penalties for ninety-one yards. They had three point four yards per play today. Uh, only one turnover. Otherwise, it could have been uh, could have been worse. And just yeah, that was uh, that was problematic. Um,
0: Chip, can we talk about North Carolina's run defense,
2: or would uh, you I, rather just not not discuss it?
0: Well, I mean, what were your expectations? I think that that would be that's my fair. immediate counter. Is like, were you like, it, did they put up an ugly number on the spreadsheet? That's not surprising. That is within the realm of possibility for this North Carolina <laughs> defense. Like, it's it, the North Carolina defense's ceiling right now is middle of the pack, and its floor can be really, really, really bad. I haven't seen anything from the North Carolina defense over the whole sample size that says that's going to be how you're going to go and win ball games.
2: Um. Should we give some credit here? But I, I agree with you on, on UNC. By the way, I was just I was shocked at like how Miami was able to get back in the game, just sticking with the run, even when but they were down. But you saw what
0: Jordan Travis did.
2: Yeah, but but like Tyler Van Dyke is not Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis, if he wanted to transfer and go play somewhere else, could play like power five receiver or running back. Like he's his brother's the second baseman for the Blue Jays. Like he's a very good athlete and fan, like Tyler Van Dyke ain't that. And Knighton and, and Harris are just going all nuts. It's like,
0: and Knighton is a very talented a stud. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the the overall talent level of the front seven against uh Knighton, Knighton is probably the edge, right?
2: I think well, yeah, I would say so. But it's weird because they're not having to really defend the eleven man run game. You know what I mean? it's it's more of a, a statue back there. I, I just I don't know. They they gotta get that fixed. I I do like the talent that Max brought in overall, but they're they got some holes there, I guess. Um Tie ball game in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. You guys want to hit a little pack 12 here?
0: Uh UCLA. Why does cover three hate the Pac 12?
1: Uh because it's soft.
0: So I, it's I, I UCLA. UCLA Washington. Is that one final? That was on yeah, my UCLA uh, monitor. Oh, nice. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Bud.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Winning week for
0: me in the lockspot. Oh, oh nice. boy. Uh, I said congratulations, Bud. Because that were I oh. thought we were rooting for his Packers. Keeps post. it alive. Oh. Yeah. His
1: ten to one ticket is still very much alive.
0: Uh Oregon was stinky against Cal, and I did not watch a second of Washington State Stanford.
1: I watched I, I, I watched quite a bit of Washington State Stanford because I had Stanford plus one and a half.
0: Okay.
2: What did you think? Like, like is, is Rolovich had this team better, or was it like classic David Shaw? Let's squander opportunities inside the opponent forty. What 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 happened? A little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. I
1: I think I do think Washington state is improving and playing much better now than the team. Like the team I saw the early part of the season, their first few games, I was like, you know, you could tell the, all the off field stuff with Rolovich and just all that kind of crap was really impacting that team's prep for games. They look better now. They still don't look very good, but they look better for sure. Um, I did get
2: to watch a lot of Cal Oregon, even though I said I was not going to. Yeah. And I don't know why I do this to myself. Like that that was a that was a terrible game
1: overall. You, You know what? I you know what I I found myself I was just watching Thibodeau. I was like crushing film, you know, like draft tape pretty much. That's the entire approach I took to that game was I'm just gonna watch Thibodeau every single snap. I don't really care about anything else that's going on in the field. And that got me through the end of the game. So
2: one thing that struck me is I, I do like to listen to the announcers in games, not always for their analysis of what they're seeing, but I like when they sprinkle in stuff that maybe the coaching staff told them. And I don't know who the announcer
1: was in this game. I uh, think it was Kirk Morrison was the color analyst. I yes, think. that's right.
2: He goes, do you think they go to Ty Thompson now? And I just thought that's a weird suggestion unless he's ma-
0: retaining it.
2: Okay, well, then that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, they
0: were, um, second half, they were doing the we want Ty or we want Thompson or we want Ty uh, chance to get things okay. going.
1: Well, then that, that maybe that explains that. Okay, perfect. Um, I will say I did appreciate Kirk Morrison not just saying that. But Kirk Morrison is uh, – I don't agree with everything he's saying during a game, but in a day and age where a lot of color analysts are getting a little too close to coaching staffs and aren't really comfortable being too judgmental, Kirk Morrison tells you what he's thinking. And I appreciate that from him.
0: Well, it depends on how receptive you are to the sell. Cause hasn't Danny told us that when you're in those meetings, you're basic, like it's not even a conversation. Sometimes you're just receiving the timeshare pitch, <laughs> you know, like
1: and some people are happy to receive it and just repeat it is what I'm saying. And yeah. Kirk Morrison, not one of those guys, Kirk Morrison was watching a football game and telling you what he thought about what he saw. And I very much appreciate it when analysts do that.
0: Um, Cornhuskers are off next week. And they will be back in action on October thirtieth against Purdue. They've got Purdue at home, Ohio State at home, at Wisconsin, and Iowa at home. Purdue, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. The Cornhuskers are three and five. Can Nebraska win three of those final four games and make a bowl game for the first time under Scott Frost? No. No. So, so that will be one, two, three, four, five. Five one score losses in another season, not bowling for Scott Frost.
1: I mean,
2: Martinez with that safety today, I was like, okay, certainly the fumble last week has is, is got to be the most excruciating late game way that he can lose a game. And granted, it wasn't all, was not all on him. I think Nebraska, like losing its tackle against Michigan and having that carry over to this game, was a huge deal. He, the, the the replacement kid they had in there constantly let it pressure mm-hmm. all game, including I think on that play, and that was problematic. But they just don't have enough on offense to to win three of those four games. I I don't think. Granted, neither does Iowa or Wisconsin. But didn't you mention the name Ohio
1: State there?
0: Uh yeah,
2: yeah. So they're one, not going to win that number one.
0: Number six.
1: Yeah, that's going to be going to be. No, tough. W- watch them go one and three, and that's the one they win. <laughs>
0: i mean if they are four and eight but there's a home win against ohio state that brings scott frost back no no i mean i well you know i don't
1: i don't know what the situation is gonna be with scott frost no matter how it goes but that's just every single week they find a way to blow it
0: today felt like a like we crossed over the line that was a like tough spot you're going on the road Minnesota's been waiting for you they've been ready for you and you've been going through the ringer you played you know Michigan Michigan State Oklahoma you losing all these games i just they had so many opportunities to win that game and they kept passing it right back to Minnesota
1: Tanner Morgan working his way back into the first round <laughs> you
0: know, Tanner Tanner Morgan looking more like PJ Fleck Tanner Morgan Tanner Morgan and TJ Fleck It's such a mind
1: meld that they now look exactly alike
0: (laughs)
2: It is hard to have your yards per attempt be almost equal to your yards per completion but that's basically what he had today He was Mm -hmm. 20 of 24 for 209 And two of his incompletions
0: were interceptions
1: so technically he only threw two incompletions
0: (laughs) Ball barely hits the ground, man Chris, Chris that's a good way to get in a rhythm, you know I yeah. never hit ground. Chris Audrey Bell had a good uh, good performance there. All right he did uh, We will be back on Monday with more of our notes from the weekend and more of the headlines coming out of uh, the the Monday availability as the college football week gets started turning the page from week seven to week eight. It is the upon pun for the review episode. you can watch it live youtube.com slash cover three of course subscribers uh, you know that a little bit after 4 p.m eastern time or so since we tape at 3 p.m eastern time you'll be able to get it you can follow him on twitter at tom Fernelli. you can follow him at bud elliott three you can follow me at chip underscore patterson gentlemen thank you very much
1: shout out to the warhawks for knocking off liberty